You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. The weekend is here, everybody. Friday afternoon edition of the show. The eve of A-Day and spring games all across the Southeast. You're listening to On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama as well as on Facebook with our Facebook live stream where you can watch the show on ESPN 106.7, Radio Alabama Sports, and Fox Sports Central Alabama Facebook pages. Find Lance and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Intern Jaws. Also, you can call into the show at 334-321-1390 as well as comment on those various pages. And then also you can tweet at Lance and I as well or tweet at the stations. There's so many different ways you can get in touch with us and we want to hear from you. I'm sure a ton of people coming into town today. I've seen several RVs, believe it or not. I don't even know what the vibe is with that. I don't know how many RVs are going to end up here. I don't know what the attendance is going to look like tomorrow. But it definitely feels a lot more normal this year than it did, well, for the fact that we didn't have an A-Day last year. But even for football season, it feels a lot more normal right now than it has in a long time, gentlemen. Yeah, that's right. I'm really, really excited. to. Act. I'm actually going to be at A-Day tomorrow. I'm really excited to see what the fans, like the amount of people that are there looks like. I'm excited to get back into an Auburn atmosphere we were talking about it just a minute ago it's just like whenever you're in that stadium Jordan Hare Stadium with with it's it's just packed with just fans everywhere I personally in the past have just there's just been moments where I'm just in awe of just how awesome it is and how incredible of a moment it is and how excited everybody is and they're just fired up and I understand it's a spring game tomorrow but I can imagine the for the first time back for Auburn fans to have this much capacity I think it's going to be really exciting I didn't go to any games last year and I was offered to go to a couple of games and I chose not to go to any games last year because I really didn't want to have my last memory for however long it would have been for me to get into Jordan-Hare Stadium of that and the product that was last season not just talking about what was on the field but also for the fact that it was only at 20 percent capacity last football game I went to was the 2019 Iron Bowl which is a great way to go out right if if that's the last football game that you had been to before everything shut down so for me that that's the last time that I've been inside Jordan-Hare Stadium and you're spot on every time I walk through the tunnel any football season any football season any football stadium doesn't just have to be Auburn I walk through one of the concourse tunnels to go out into the lower bowl area and you see the whole thing open up in front of you gives you chills it gives you goosebumps first game of the season every year yeah I don't know it's just all fresh and all new and I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that moment and and being able to experience that as well as a lot of people are. And it's something that I think a lot of people maybe would have a hard time putting their finger on. Mm -hmm. But it is definitely, to me, and maybe this is just being dramatic, I, I, I feed off of environments in collegiate athletics or any athletic event, period. But collegiate athletics, I think, is where you see the most excitement because it is the mix between... 
I, I think you see a lot of excitement at high school athletics, but obviously the amount of fans at a high school game is not anywhere near the same amount as a D1 FBS Power 5 college football game. They're not in the same they're not in the same universe, right? There's still a lot of excitement in high school athletics and I've been in some really great high school environments that that's what I remember about those moments just across doing play-by-play across the state of Alabama. Me and you were talking before the show about the season that I called Lincoln High School Athletics and their football games and how many special games that happened back in the 2019 season with that year and I remember some of the most fond memories the most vivid memories that I have is about what the fans and what the fan environment what the stadium was like at some of those special moments I mean there was a 23 point comeback that year that I was a part of a a last second touchdown on a senior night a blocked field goal to 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 go into overtime and to win there were so many games that year that were just out of that out of this world and oftentimes what I remember is just looking around the stands and taking in the moment and then imagine that on a much larger scale when you talk about some of the high profile moments that have happened in Auburn athletics in recent history right. and some of the special moments that have happened there. Just there's there's nothing like college athletics with the amount of fans that can go to a college game, but also still the pageantry and the love for the game. That's what beats the professional level and that's what beats the the high school level. But there's nothing like there's nothing like collegiate athletics, especially in the Southeast. And, and to be trending back in that direction I'm sure it's going to be somewhat of an emotional experience for a lot of people coming back into town if they haven't been to a ball game in quite some time. Yeah, I agree. And not only is it college football, I think college basketball, even for Auburn now, it's starting to trend more in that direction of how hyped the fans get for basketball games. I remember back in 2019 for that Final Four run, I remember some some Auburn folks will understand what I mean whenever I set the scene real quick, but I was running out between the alley between J&M Bookstore and that jewelry place right there on Tumors. I had parked right behind it, and I was waiting for the for you mean Auburn. Wear jewelers, wear jewelers, right? And so I was running out from that alley because I had parked behind J and M, listening to the game, waiting for for to be like, okay, it's over. And the moment I am ru- running through that alley, the ground is shaking because so many people are screaming. And the moment I burst out to that opening of the alley, there are hundreds of people flooding straight to tumors right there all at the same time. Is this when Auburn punched its ticket to the final four? To the final four after they beat Kentucky. It was That's the most packed I've ever seen tumors corner. It's the most insane thing I've ever been a part of to sit there and just just celebrate. It was absolutely incredible. I have never seen tumors corner more packed than that moment. Not more packed than when Auburn won the national championship at football. Not any of the Iron Bowl victories. I feel like the most packed, the most insane we have ever seen Tumor's Corner and downtown Auburn as a whole was because of that Final Four run and making it all the way there. I had to park blocks and blocks and blocks neighborhoods away from Tumor's Corner just to be able, and I had to walk a long ways just to be able to get there. And I was coming from Opelika. So I was well behind the curve. I watched it to the final modes. I was not one of the lunatics running out from downtown businesses and whatnot, you know, out into tumors, which was sheer pandemonium. But you love to watch the videos of it when you see them running out. And then sadly, a week later, you see people running out after you think you'd won. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it, it stinks. But and I hate to go back to that. I hate to go back to that moment. So let's go back to happy thoughts here. But still, I've never seen. Yeah, stinks mad at me right now. I have never seen tumors corner more packed than I did for the Final Four. Yeah, that's right. And I actually, I actually drove from Dadeville with about 15 minutes left of the game. I'm like, 
Auburn's got a chance. I got to go to Tumor. So we 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 we, we you hedged drove, your bets. I, I I like I I zoomed all the way. So at to the downtown. start of overtime, you went. Uh yeah. So I was st- I was sitting in the in, in the parking lot. Did you just J&M. listen to it on the radio? Yeah, I just listened to Rod and Sonny call it on the radio. Um, but yeah, that, that to to quickly hit on the Virginia game. That is the only sporting event I've ever cried over, ever. Oh. It's the only sporting event I've ever cried over. So I got engaged that day. And I was having a pretty good day, not going to lie. So that helped offset the pain. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was, oh, I was, I got engaged earlier that day. Great way to start out the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. May, may, you know, that is just tough, tough way for it to, tough way for that night to end, but still. Still so, such a memorable run to the final four, though. That's just right. an incredible two or three weeks. That's right. That's right. And now look at me, you know, two, three years later, married happily. There you and, go. And, uh, you know, Auburn basketball with this elite recruiting class coming in, possibly the best ever recruiting class, including these transfers. A lot's looking up. Maybe another Final Four run in the future. It's so hard to do that, no matter how talented your roster is. Because think about it. The Elite Eight is supposedly, it's supposed to be. Now, of course, it's not always. But the Elite Eight, the term is Elite Eight. It's supposed to be the most elite eight teams of the college basketball season it doesn't always work that way because cinderella's make it and it doesn't always go chalk because it's a tournament like setting and it's just one game to end your season but still it's hard to even make it that far and so the point that i'm trying to illustrate here is no matter how talented auburn's roster may look next year it is going to be a journey just to try and make it back to a final four right and it was almost borderline impossible to get there to begin with for Auburn as a five seed because you saw the teams that they had to go through, the three most winningest programs in college basketball history. They had to take down North Carolina. They had to take down Kansas. They had to take down Kentucky, and they still did it. And they almost beat Virginia. And we all know, again, we all know how that went. But Auburn Auburn beat the best teams to get there. You talk about it not going chalk often. It's like one of those other teams probably could have made it to the Final Four. Kentucky definitely could have made it to the national title game. I think that Kentucky team would have beaten Virginia up and down. They would have destroyed them, in my opinion. But it, Auburn had to, had to beat the best to get there. And I just I, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Even with this year's team, I don't think we'll see, I don't think we'll see them beat those caliber. It was also improbable. People right. were not expecting it. Right. I don't think, I don't think Auburn's going to beat those caliber opponents again in, in, that, in that back-to-back-to-back type, type form. Well, it's been a fun trip down memory lane for the first 11 minutes of the show, but let's switch the topic to what's happening tomorrow, which was how we were kind of opening it up with, just the emotions of being able to actually be in a football stadium more than 20% capacity, which it'll probably still somewhat look like that tomorrow. I doubt you reach the 40% capacity because that ends up being like 30,000 fans-ish as math major guy in the studio, Agent Sting over here telling me that telling me that that's about what it is off of the 87 grand that can fit in 90 on a 90 on a pack day i'd say i know officially it's like 87.5 but it's i think you could fit more students than that to get there i think it can reach to 90 but you know i I think you see i I think it's gonna be hard for 30 to get in there because it just never ends up being that way for a day We'll see. It's also supposed to be rainy. I, I'm, I'm legitimately curious as to what attendance looks like tomorrow. So let's start off talking about A-Day then. I think that's a good way since we're on that topic. Guesses on attendance here, Lance. What do you think that looks like? Because every year, if you're, in the, if you're in the press box, in a normal year, they are doing a, a, they're doing an attendance contest where you guess the attendance 
for a day and so i want to i want to hear from folks out there as well we're going to ask a series of questions throughout the show getting people's thoughts we just want to get your guesses on it 334-321-1390 that's how you call in what do you think the attendance looks like tomorrow put a number value on it i'm not going to say it's insanely packed i don't think it's going to hit that 40 percent capacity limit but i think it's going to be very close i think a lot of auburn fans are excited to actually get back into the stadium and get to kind of enjoy some 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 college football i i would say if i had to pick a specific number i would say 29,000 somewhere around there I I would say about 29,000 fans in the stadium tomorrow you see I'm curious if the two and four pod seating system is going to affect some things because there are a lot of families out there that have more than just two or four people in it right right and I wonder if it's kind of like well this is an all or nothing thing I'm not just going to take a portion of my family to go or I'm not just going to take one of my kids to go so I do wonder if that affects attendance a little bit. I think that's offset by people being excited about coming because there still are restrictions that make it relatively difficult for fans to buy tickets to this event. Yeah, so actually for me, there there were six people in my friend group that wanted to go. It's like, well, you can only buy in tickets of four or tickets of two. So we to solve that, we were like, well, let's get four and then let's get two. And then that's the way we're going to do it. So it, it, for me, for as a fan, it's like it's not going to affect my my ability to get to the game. I'm going to go to the game. It's just how it, it we're, we're seated is just the, the the factor in it. That's a little anticlimactic. I was expecting some version of Fight Club for you to tell me how y'all decided which two got the tickets. Yeah, we actually wrestled the month. The, first, the, the, the last guy to survive got the ticket. <laughs> and it was me. It was me. <laughs> Oh, two people didn't survive or yeah. you're just going by yourself no i just went by myself we actually decided <laughs> to settle like that i just wanted all four seats to myself hey you can lay down right that's right exactly. <laughs> you can lay down yep there you go there you go we want to hear from you 334-321-1390 what do you think attendance is going to be like tomorrow we want to get your guesses on that put a number value on it i'm going to go about I'm going to go with what average attendance was like last year. I'm going to go like 20,000. I think that's where I'm at. I'm going to go on the lower end. But you're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also airing on Facebook Live. You can watch the show on Facebook on ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama, and on Radio Alabama Sports Facebook pages. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open. Also find Lance and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Intern Jaws. i got to ask you the question, my man. Uh, Any progress? No. <laughs> no progress on a new Twitter handle? No, I've been a busy man recently, Noah, and Twitter comes last. Twitter comes last in my, last in my world, but every now and then, whenever I do go, it, the thought always crosses my mind is like, Noah's going to ask me tomorrow, what's my new Twitter handle? <sighs> You're not there yet. That's okay. That's this, okay. This, this bit is being drawn, drawn, drawn out. Wow. Drawn out way too long. I got I to gotta finally, I got to end it. I got to gotta find something. I imagine in the summer, things will turn around. I imagine <laughs> in the summer, things will turn around just a bit. Let's keep talking about A-Day here. We talked a little bit about attendance and what we felt like the atmosphere was going to look like tomorrow. Let's talk about the game itself and what's going to happen on the field. Who do you think will be tomorrow's top performers? Let's just look at the offensive side of the ball right now. 
I think it's I think it's going to be be one of Auburn's receivers and like I think you mentioned this on yesterday's show I think it's going to be a receiver that doesn't exactly see the field a whole lot this season in the, in the regular season I think it's going to be like Javarius Johnson or Malcolm Johnson Jr. It's going to be somebody like that. It's going to be somebody that that gets a really deep deep ball that they that they catch or a sweep that they take for a really long gain and they'll they'll lead lead the game in, in total yards and in passing and all that different stuff but it'll it'll be a backup receiver in my opinion some potential pitfalls to that though that i'm curious about a how good are these backup quarterbacks can can grant lloyd get the ball there i think demetrius davis can everything that we saw from grant lloyd last year and then even in his short stint in the mac before he transferred to auburn doesn't really showcase a great quarterback right so i kind of wonder how well they're going to be able to get the football to these receivers also something else i wonder if how split these reps are like Javarius Johnson's going to be one of the starters you'd think right with all of the guys that are out at receiver at the moment you don't have Xavier Capers you don't have Shedrick Jackson right you just have Kobe Hudson and Elijah Canyon you think that Javarius Johnson's the third guy there so how long does he play and then you also got guys like Kalen Newton so yeah you, you're, you're making a good point it, I think it's going to be somebody from this receiver room period and if it is a guy like Javarius that starts then so be it but I, I think it's going to be a receiver that catches a long pass or you see between the second and third team where, where, where a guy's out there and he's just open consistently like two or three times and, and he just catches the most passes I just think that's the most likely outcome it's funny because I feel like the weakest the weakest point on the Auburn offense is the receiver room well I wouldn't just say the receiver room. I'd say is quarterback depth but because I like the receivers I think the receivers have talent to me the passing game is the weak point of the offense pass protection just generally being able to complete packages passes being an accurate quarterback the quarterback depth isn't great after Bo Nix there's just a lot of different issues with the passing game at the moment and they're going against the most elite group on the defensive side of the ball right. which is the defensive backs so it's kind of interesting that we think that the receivers maybe it's just because the receivers there are more players maybe that but i i don't know if it obviously matchups wise it doesn't shape up in my mind that receivers that any one receiver somebody's just going to show out when you talk about how deep the defensive backs are versus right now there's an injury ridden group at wide receiver and then the quarterback depth's not that great on top of that the offensive line's not that good at pass protection either so you got to wonder how how good of a job the passing game is going to look if tomorrow. Tank Bigsby was playing this entire game, then I would say that he would lead lead the <laughs> lead the lead the game in, in yards yeah. and performance. But I just don't know how well Auburn. I don't know how effective Auburn's backup running backs are going to be in this game. We're probably going to see just a little bit of Devin Barrett, who has not played running back in one or two years. Sean Shivers, I don't think is the most efficient running back. I don't think he's going to be able to do to do a whole lot in this spring game. And if if Tank was in, you know, I'd say he'd run for 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 eighty yards or so somewhere around there and he'd probably lead the team lead the offense and in, in total yards but I, I honestly I think a running back ends up being a top performer tomorrow and see I don't I don't dislike that it's just honestly there there are so many different things that you can point out about this offense it's just like well that's not going to do well tomorrow because of this or that's not going to do well tomorrow because of this and there are a lot of different weak points in a day and I'm not saying the offense is terrible I have a feeling like there's saying, going to be some angry Auburn fans on Monday after they watch the offense tomorrow I just, I'm just saying there's probably going to be a lot of defense in tomorrow's a day and the, the, just enjoy the plays that we get on offense when we get them if you're angry about tomorrow's offensive performance, just keep in mind Clemson's spring game ended 14 to 13, and Yeesh. their starter lost the ball game. 
Yeah. Uyaga Lele. I, I, I always add an extra Lele. <laughs> Just DJ Uyaga Lele. He, he lost the spring game. Their, their projected smarter, starter. He lost 14 to 13. Like, that's not the uh, a glowing instance of offensive production on that side of the ball. He had a pretty good spring game. It was like 20 for 28 for like 174 and a touchdown. But still, that's not like a glowing image of offensive success over there in Clemson, South Carolina. I'm expecting a similar type of affair tomorrow at 8A. I expect the I expect the defense, both the starters and the backups, to to win this scrimmage tomorrow. Yeah, I, I to agree. Better, I agree. I think the defense is definitely going to win this. As far as Clemson's uh, returning production on offense goes, I'll see if I can find it here in just it's a next second. Next to nothing, but right? It's next but to the nothing. defense yeah, is okay. up there. So they're they're 65th nationally, and the only reason they're 65th nationally, which is right there in the middle. Uh, they they return 92% of their production on defense, which is third nationally. They returned 46% of their re- production on offense, which is 118th nationally out of 127 teams. And the other thing about what Clemson's losing, what they're returning in production on offense wasn't the Skill key position. production. Well, it wasn't the key production either. Think, ETN's gone. Trevor right. Lawrence is gone. Right. You lose a receiver as well. Now, of course, you get Justin Ross back after spending a year hurt, but... You lost your two most important pieces of your offense at Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. You lose those two guys right there. You're having to replace that this upcoming year. They probably have some question marks on that side of the ball at the moment. Yeah, that's for sure. And then just looking at Auburn's production, both offensively and defensively, we've talked about this a week or so ago, just how even Malzahn was able to keep it during his tenure. 73% on offense and 72% on defense. So I, I, I wouldn't expect the offense to do terrible it's just I, I think the defense is going to take a step up this season. We're probably going to see a lot of defense tomorrow. I would imagine so as well. I would not be shocked if Devin Barrett had a pretty good game tomorrow. I would For either. some reason, I'm leaning in that direction. But then again, if people have listened to this show since we heard Devin Barrett move to the backfield, everybody will know that I love the idea of that. And maybe just without – we haven't heard anything about Devin Barrett throughout the spring. You know, We really have heard next to nothing about Devin Barrett moving to running back. And what he's looked like. And I would imagine, based off of those circumstances, 1A and 1B at running back right now, or I shouldn't say 1B, 1 and 2 at running back right now, is Tank Bigsby and Sean Shivers. Devin Barrett is squarely at three, but you've got three scholarship running backs in the running back room right now. Devin Barrett's getting touches tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. And as far as his potential on A Day, we've seen somewhat all purpose guys like Matthew Hill get involved in A Day and play fantastic. Matthew Hill is one of those guys that could play receiver, but then also catch passes out of the backfield. I could have probably seen him taking a handoff or two. Guys like Stanton Truitt in the past, who are that those all purpose guys, I think Devin Barrett kind of fits that mold. I, I, I can see him involving being involved in both the rushing and the offensive attack. So going back to going back to where this segment started, saying who do we think will be the top performers, I think it's more likely for a running back to be a top performer tomorrow and a running back down on the depth chart then maybe it is for a receiver to stand out as a top performer now there are more options at receiver than there are at running back so by default the chances just probability wise are higher for there to be a receiver that could stand out because there are simply put more receivers but I don't like what Auburn's got at quarterback behind Bo Nix right now Demetrius Davis has all the talent in the world to develop into a solid quarterback but this is his first time in college going against d1 fbs scc players on the defensive side of the ball the backup offensive line can't be that good neither can the backup wide receivers but we know that auburn dbs it's a deep room 
And then Auburn's going to be able to generate a pass rush, I feel like, against one of the weakest pass-blocking offensive lines in the entire SEC from top to bottom, starters and backups. So the quarterbacks have their work cut out for them to have a clean pocket tomorrow and to have time to throw. On top of that, these receivers are also getting some substantial playing time for the first time, you know, since ever like they like these guys you're missing two of your perceived starters for this upcoming year some of these other guys haven't even really seen the field in Jordan Harris Stadium other than practice scrimmage scenarios and now you're going into the 8-day game which is just a glorified scrimmage but nonetheless this is still there's still a weak unit a young unit going against an experienced elite unit on the defensive side of the football I feel like the work's cut out for the receivers whereas the running backs we know the offensive line's pretty good at run blocking that was their strength last year it's a it's a more run oriented offensive line and I feel like considering I I feel like it's more likely for one of the running backs to stand out just to be a little bit more eloquent about this in my mind it's more likely for one of the running backs to stand out than one of the receivers to stand out not to say that the receiver room is going to have an awful day tomorrow but as, as far as just someone standing out and wowing us and be like man that guy had a good game I think it's more likely that you see a running back at the bottom of the depth chart, such as Devin Barrett standing out just because of playing time and touches alone. That's right. Than one of the wide receivers having just an awesome day, just like singling in and just tearing it up at the wide receiver position. I just think it's more likely that a running back, where it's going to be more focused on one or two different guys right. as the day goes on outside of the receivers where it's not going to be focused on one or two guys i have a hard time believing that one guy in that receiver room is just going to dominate tomorrow's game the ball is going to be spread out a lot between the receivers but again i i i will say again that there's there's still a possibility for one guy between the two two and three deep to get two or three catches and i don't say i wouldn't say dominate i would just say he he, he one guy just just lead the receivers and catches and therefore maybe edge everybody else in yards because I don't think this offensive unit as a whole is going to do fantastic tomorrow just based off of how how talented this defense is but you're you're right the secondary is probably one of the best units in the country so it's going to be difficult for these young and experienced receivers to get open and get separation uh, I think that's going to frustrate Auburn fans a little bit because that's one of the most frustrating things that Malzahn was not able to do the, for the last couple of seasons is scheme receivers open but I, I would caution Auburn fans to just kind of wait and be patient. We, let's let's go into a day tomorrow optimistically, and let's come out of it optimistically because, like you said, all it is is just a glorified scrimmage. These receivers are going to get time to develop, and they're they're going to become SEC receivers. They're talented guys. On the other side of this break, we have Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on the line with us. Stay tuned for that conversation coming up on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also airing on Facebook Live, ESPN 106.7, Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama Facebook pages. Headed to the phone lines now, joining us as he does every Friday. We got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Christian, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. How about yourself, Noah? I'm doing really well. Football is back tomorrow, at least for about two or three hours, but it's back nonetheless for two or three hours, and then 
well, we lose it. It's gone. It, 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 all, spring practice culminates with this. It, it, it's great to have this crescendo, but so sad to lose some of this content that we've had for, for about a month and a half now. But nonetheless, tomorrow's A-Day game, I, I, I bet it's going to be exciting for a lot of people to be able to get back into the stands and whatnot. We were just having a discussion about who we think the top performers will be tomorrow. We're trying to stay away from starters because we know they won't play too long. So we're really talking about position groups here. And looking at the offensive side of the ball, for you, which do you think is more likely? Someone out of the backfield, a running back to stand out, an individual running back to stand out, or do you think it's more likely that an individual wide receiver stands out in tomorrow's scrimmage? Ooh, that's a really good question. I like that. Um, Well, sticking away from starters, I mean, obviously Tank Bigsby is going to stand out. Um, Man, that's tough. You know, I'll go with wide receivers. Um... I think Javarius Johnson is going to have a really big spring game, which he's kind of a starter, but we haven't really seen that out of him yet, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. He's been pretty much the talk of spring. I mean, Brian Harson, Mike Fobo, Cornelius Williams, everybody has name-dropped him as a guy that stood out so far in spring practice. So I think he's going to have something to prove, and he's really going to want to live up to that hype that's gotten built for him so far. So I'll go with him, but I would say watch out for Sean Shivers. What do you expect this quarterback group to look like tomorrow in terms of playing time? And then also, I know that Bo Nix probably not going to be out there for that long, maybe just a, a drive or two. But after that, what, what do you think you see in terms of uh, how, how do the snaps get split up tomorrow in your mind? Uh, well, it'll be interesting because Grant Loy was injured to start the spring. Um, I believe he returned to practice, but I don't know to what capacity. So not entirely sure if we'll see him tomorrow. So what we saw in practice before was Trey Lindsey actually getting second-team snaps. I would expect more Demetrius Davis to get second-team snaps just because, I mean, when we saw them originally, he had been on campus for like a week and a half, and he hadn't really gotten too much experience, and he hadn't really played too much college at all uh, in practice. But I would expect him to get some snaps. I don't really know what to expect out of Shadiel Garnett, but he'll obviously get some playing time. But I would expect behind Bo Nix, just my personal guess would be Demetrius Davis getting second-team snaps. Continuing on with this, I, I, I'm sure most people expect the defense to look substantially better than the offense tomorrow. In what areas do you think the defense looks to excel tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, I would expect it out of the secondary and out of the linebackers. Um, even if we don't see the starters for that long, the secondary is so deep. Talk about guys like, um, well, I guess Marco Damio is hurt right now, but Kamal Haddon and some other guys in the secondary who are new, I think they'll be very good. And the linebackers, I mean, obviously you've got Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean, but you've also got those youngsters in Wesley Steiner and Cam Riley, and you've got the returning veteran in Chandler Wooten. So I think that'll be a very, very solid group. And then it'll be also interesting just to see what J.J. Pegues does in, her, in his first spring game on the defensive line. I've heard some good things so far in practice. Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Got a lot of things to go over here with you with football, basketball as well. So uh, we appreciate you hopping on with us this afternoon as well. Still talking about the A-Day game tomorrow and looking at you, – you, you keep bringing up several guys that have been hurt. How do you expect injuries to affect tomorrow's A-Day game? Is it, is it going to be a bit of a watered-down product with so many guys out? Uh, I wouldn't expect it to be too much. I mean, there are some starters who are missing. A guy like Davion Capers, a wide receiver, who I expect to start in the fall. And Shedrick Jackson. I don't know if he'll start, but he is one of the – he's the veteran in the group now, actually. But 
Um, at wide receiver, you'll see that a little bit. They're a little bit banged up in the secondary with, like I said, Marco Damio, Zion Puckett, um, Desmond Tisdall at linebackers banged up. But overall, I don't think it's really too bad, and we haven't heard of any other injuries. Well, Jeremiah Wright happened, obviously, but I don't think it'll be too bad in terms of injuries tomorrow. Switching gears here now away from A-Day, talking a little Auburn basketball with you as well. Earlier this week, we saw Walker Kessler select Auburn basketball as his transfer location. This is huge for the program, considering Alabama was reeling in commitments left and right, and now it was Auburn's term to say, hey, we've got a high-profile guy too. How does Walker Kessler's addition to the Auburn basketball program change things? Uh, it changes things massively for next year. He is a incredible player. People may look at the stats and be like, oh, he averaged four points a game. He didn't really play that much. In the times he did play, he looked outstanding. I think he's going to be great for Bruce Pearl. And one interesting note was Jeffrey Lee from uh, AuburnSports.com wrote about it for us yesterday, actually. He really wasn't considering Auburn that much, as much as we originally thought. But he had a great Zoom call with Stephen Pearl, who really showcased how they wanted to use Walker Kessler and how they wanted to have him play on the outside along with the inside, because that's something he does excel at, especially for a seven foot one big man. So him next year, I mean, you can't really name a better 3-4-5 than Allen Flanagan, Jabari Smith, and Walker Kessler. That is about as good as it gets. As far as as the, the, the backcourt goes, Christian, Auburn definitely needs to pick up somebody definitely at that two spot. Who do you think Auburn's going after right now that they could possibly pick up that is a true shooter? You know, we haven't heard a whole lot about true shooters. Um, the two spot is a little murky still. And the main reason for that is they're really, really waiting for Scoot Henderson, which I think Auburn fans might get some good news pretty soon here, probably in the next couple of weeks about him and potentially him being here next year. So I think if they get him, they're going to go from there, and that's really what they're waiting for. We could see Zepp Jasper maybe play the two. And I think a lot of Auburn fans are forgetting about just how good Trey Alexander is. I think if Scoot Henderson comes, my original starting lineup prediction would be Scoot, Zeb Jasper, Alan Flanagan, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler. But I think by the end of the year, Trey Alexander can take that two spot from Zeb Jasper. I think Trey Alexander is very talented. Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com, there's definitely a lot of mouths to feed right now with this Auburn basketball program. And add Scoot Henderson, that would that would be a huge deal. My question to you is here, and if it's uh, if it's something that we're having a difficult time recalling, I, I'm curious. Auburn still has one scholarship available to give, even if JT Thor returns. Am I correct in that? Yeah, if JT Thor returns, they've got two spots left, or one spot left. Sorry. Right, but if JT Thor stays in the draft, though, they still have two spots left. Where do you think Auburn is? at this juncture at the moment with J.T. Thor? Uh, J.T. Thor, from what I've heard, it doesn't seem very likely he's going to come back. Um, The team has been going through some practices and going through workouts, but he's been going through his own thing, uh, going through the draft process. Um, For Thor, in terms of the draft, I haven't really seen him in many mock drafts, so I think it could be a scenario where he learns, hey, nobody's really interested in drafting you, and he ends up coming back and kind of being forced to come back, but If it were up to him, I think he's going to the NBA. So I think that's one extra space Auburn will have next year. What's the timetable look like for something like that? I mean, is is the deadline still weeks, months away? Where where are we at in this? Yeah, they've got they've got a long time. The deadline to withdraw from the draft isn't until July nineteenth. So that's kind of 
it puts Bruce and Auburn in kind of an awkward position to have to fill that spot so late. One thing I was um, I was just thinking, you know, they've got so many talented players, they might even just elevate a walk-on to a scholarship spot at that point. With J.T. Thor gone, I mean, what else do you really need to fill unless someone incredible hits the transfer portal that really fits the need that you want? Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com, uh, Auburn baseball talk here. Just uh, we got a couple minutes left here with you. Auburn loses game one yesterday to Alabama. Once again, another one-run loss in SEC play. Where do you feel like Auburn baseball is at for the rest of this series against Alabama after such a gut-wrenching loss to your rival in, in game one? Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's just the same storyline that we've been seeing all season long. I mean, I think this is now the seventh one-run loss game they've had in SEC play. They've blown tragic games against Boston College. I mean, I I don't know what to say about Auburn baseball at this point. I feel like they have dug themselves into such a hole um, in the standings and also just such a mental hole that it's got to be so hard to dig out of that, and I really don't know if they're going to be able to, to be honest. I mean, I mean, I just don't even know what to say about this team at this point. And a lot of people don't either. It, it is truly... It is truly bewildering and confusing to folks when you see such a talented roster and it's hard to make sense of all of it. And maybe the best way to make sense of it is to say that it doesn't make sense. But Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all the great content you're putting out this weekend. Yeah, you can find my content at AuburnSports.com along with on Twitter at CClemente underscore. Christian, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you enjoy the weekend and enjoy the football. Thank you. You as well. That was, that was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on the line with us. And uh, when we come back from the other side of this break, we're going to talk about ESPN, FBI's most likely playoff scenarios. We've got some problems with this. We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrapping up hour number one of On the Line here, Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. It's also how you can watch the show as well. Follow it on Twitter at Radio AL Sports. We've got you covered with high school and collegiate content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Before we wrap up hour number one here, let's take a listen to What's On TV tonight. Hey, everybody. It's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Happy Friday, everybody. A new episode of Shark Tank is on ABC at 7. With it being Friday, there's a lot of movie selections tonight. The Green Mile is on AMC at 7. The X-Men must confront Ancient Mutant Apocalypse in X-Men Apocalypse on FX at 7. Something a little less heavy and a little more uplifting. The Greatest Showman is on FX Movies at 640. Don't mess with the Boogeyman. The first movie in the John Wick saga is on Sci-Fi at 7. NBA star Kyrie Irving stars in Uncle Drew on TBS at 7. At Live Sports, two NBA games are on ESPN at 6. Doc Rivers faces his old team as the Philadelphia 76ers host the Los Angeles Clippers. At 8.30, the New York Knicks travel to Dallas to take on Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. In college baseball, the top teams in the SEC East square off with number 2 Vanderbilt at number 5 Tennessee at 6 on ESPNU. On SEC Network at 6, it's the Egg Bowl between
between number six Ole Miss and number four Mississippi State. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up our number one here of On the Line, thank you to Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com in that previous segment for joining us on the line. If you missed that conversation or if you've missed any of the show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. ESPN, FBI's most likely playoff scenarios. We teased it coming in to this segment. We are not pleased not pleased with your work i think pleased is an understatement for me just bewildered is more of where i'm at right now and we've been talking about the fpi for the last three or four days now i feel like when it first came out earlier this week with win totals and whatnot and we were just shocked to see mississippi state in the top 10 at eight but we've gotten past that now sort of we we've just came to accept that the fpi got that wrong but still nonetheless talking about most likely college football playoff combinations based on fpi ratings i feel like the fpi has become a joke right like i feel like this is something we joke about every year i feel like we shouldn't talk about the fpi because i know the espn wants us to talk about the fpi because it's just something for for them to get more attention on but goodness gracious it's almost like espn because think about it at the bottom they're like they have they have to put a disclaimer with it on their right. website that this is not an actual ranking system so they know that it looks bad right and then they they go to say it's like it's not a playoff predictor but we're predicting playoff uh, different little scenarios here and different win totals and stuff Using like that it. Right, and it's like, well, we can't predict it accurately. Okay, why are you predicting it to begin with? So let's look at the most likely college football playoff combinations based on FPI ratings. Of course, Alabama and Clemson are found in all of these four scenarios that we've got. I don't see that changing. I would agree. Would you not say that out of all of college football, Alabama and Clemson probably are the two most likely teams to make it into the playoff? I've said a lot on on this show that there are three blue bloods in college football, and that's Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. And the only reason Ohio State is not included in all of those is I believe they were they they don't return quarterback production at all. Clemson does at least a little bit. We've been able to see it. We've been able to get a feel. Okay, what does DJ actually bring to the game? As far as Ohio. State, State goes there are so many different question marks and even on the defensive side of the ball their secondary may be one of the worst in the country so I, I agree I think Clemson and Alabama are definitely at the top I think they're definitely the favorites to win both of their respective conferences I think you would see them in every single logical playoff scenario the next team that is featured more often than any of the other teams is Oklahoma with three of the four most likely scenarios I believe that to be likely as well I really like this Oklahoma team. Part of what separates this Oklahoma team from all of the other top brands in college football, they return probably the best quarterback in all of college football this year. I think so. I think Spencer Rattler's definitely got a lot of talent. His ability to throw the deep ball, I think it's better than Murray. He can also sure. move, too. He's, he's not a mobile. statue. No, he's, yeah, he's not. A, he's a mobile quarterback. He's, he's, like a, he's, he's a more polished version of Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. Just watching him throw the ball mechanically, oh, I it's wouldn't just say more so polished smooth. Version. It's smooth. Baker Mayfield was elite I in think college. Baker Mayfield was a talent, but the way Spencer throws the ball is just smoother than me. His form. So you mean is, mechanically it looks prettier. It, yeah, but. it's just natural natural to him i i really like what this oklahoma team brings back 43rd nationally in returning production their defense though we're much ta- better than than recent oklahoma defenses exactly. this defense actually looks like it can stop somebody oklahoma every time they've gotten into the playoff i think they've they've lost 
every single playoff game by an average of 18 points. They have gotten blown out every single time they get to the end. They get where they want to be. But I think this year's team is going to be a little different because they can play defense. I think that's what sets them apart from Oklahoma teams in the past. What's returning production on the Oklahoma defense? Let's take a look. See, it's 75% and that's 51st nationally. So it's not not, not Not terrible. It's it's actually... It's It's also about key production as well. That's right. And I I would love to take a look at their roster and their their starters returning, but that's definitely not terrible. 78% on the offense, 43rd nationally. They're bringing back pieces they're bringing back production and it's good production it's defensive production that is solid Oklahoma's defense played better against Florida late in the season than Alabama's defense played against Florida now that's not me saying via transitive property here that Oklahoma's defense is better than Alabama's that's not what I'm trying to say what I'm just trying to say is from a measuring stick standpoint it's feasible to say that this Oklahoma defense is much better than previous year's Oklahoma defenses that have seen them get smited in the college football playoff. Oklahoma, it's weird to say this, kind of a dark horse because everybody's sick and tired of Oklahoma getting to the playoff and losing by 40, right? And and getting blown out because they don't have the defense and everybody's kind of written them off in that way as truly a national contender. This Oklahoma team feels a little bit different to me. So I like Oklahoma, especially when I look at the rest of the Big 12. If they can avoid what I've called the proverbial traffic cone at Big 12 play, which is for some odd reason losing to Kansas State for the last two years in a (laughs) row and Iowa State over two of the last three, you're more talented than everybody in your league. You out-recruit everybody other than Texas. If you can avoid stumbling to somebody that you shouldn't, you are going to be undefeated going into the playoff and you're going to have a shot at being, I think, ranked higher than Clemson when the year ends because I don't know if Clemson's going to go undefeated in the ACC. I can see Clemson getting upset because it's happened. Don't tell me it's not going to happen because Clemson's better than everybody else. It's happened. We've seen them lose to Pittsburgh in recent years. We've seen them lose to the Miamis. We've seen them lose to the average teams. Syracuse a couple years ago, we have seen them lose to average teams in the ACC just like anybody can get upset. And this Clemson team looks more vulnerable than most years considering they've lost so much on the offensive side of the football what's disturbing to me about these most likely college football playoff combinations according to espn's fpi ratings is you see texas a&m in one of the combinations oh no you see iowa state in as many combinations as ohio state and i'm beginning to think and i'm coming around to the idea and i've been saying this for a couple of weeks now that i think this year's college football will be down i'm beginning to think that this may be a really wild year of college football. I'm not giving credence to the fact that you could see a playoff with two Big 12 teams in it because one of the second most likely chance, according to ESPN, is that it'll be Alabama, Clemson, Iowa State, and Oklahoma, which is ridiculous. I think that the most likely combination is the one that it that it did put out as the most likely, which is Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. But you even look at Ohio State, and I understand issues that we have with Ohio State. Not only are they, are they going to start, they will start. Ohio State will start a freshman quarterback whether it is a redshirt freshman or a true freshman they are going to start someone with next to zero experience playing in college football and with with like no snaps in an actual game and what's surrounding him is almost as little to no returning production they are ohio state as a whole is 121st nationally in returning production 99th on the offensive side of the football so they're throwing a freshman quarterback into the fire we don't know who it's going to be yet with an offense that 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 has no returning production and the defense that will bolster that is 119th in returning production 
off of a unit that was one of the worst team in the country in their secondary. Yeah, I gave up over like 300 pass yards a game. That's right. In the Big Ten, hard to do. Hard to do. Next year's going to be wild. Next year's going to be wild. I think there might just... Alabama looks great compared to everybody else, but it's going to be wild. We got a great hour number two coming up. Stay with us here on On The Line. We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. You are On The Line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also airing on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook Live. Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama, and Radio Alabama Sports, and ESPN 106.7 Facebook Facebook pages. Said Radio Alabama Sports twice there. That's where you can find us. Call in at 334-321-1390. That's how you can call into the show. Once again, 334-321-1390. A lot to talk about here in hour number two. Team War Ready, that TBT team, the summer basketball tournament that has an Auburn alumni team vying for the $2 million prize money. Team War Ready today announced that Bryce Brown will be joining the roster in addition to some other Final Four players off of that roster, in addition to a couple of other guys as well that have become beloved members of the Auburn basketball community like Simeon Bowers and Kareem Canty and TJ Dunnans. It's a fun team. It's a really fun team, and I think they're just as talented as anybody else. It's all going to come down to chemistry and playing some solid defense on a game in and game out basis so we'll talk about that we'll also talk Auburn baseball finding a way to impeccably to be just impeccably bad at winning or losing excuse me one run SEC games on top of that a day game as well we're going to welcome intern Sting onto the show to talk with us now a lot of Auburn topics here we'll start talking a little bit about tomorrow's a day game we've discussed who we think will be top performers at the a day game we've discussed who we think will will stand out on the offensive side of the ball we we think that the defense is going to have the better scrimmage gentlemen but now i'm going to phrase a question about the offense a little bit different of a way what do we expect the offense to look like then if we think the defense is going to stifle them and a little bit more specifically here what percentage of snaps do we expect the quarterbacks to be under center yeah you want me to go first go for it okay uh, yeah. Lance says you go. Yeah. He wants me to take it. I get <laughs> it. Says, I need to think yeah, about I, this. I really want to see that because we were talking about that before. I really want to see how many snaps Knicks and the other quarterbacks take under center because it's a pro-style offense, so it's a significant change from what we're used to where just about every play in the book has been in a shotgun. And I don't know. I, just, I, I have a play against Northwestern where I believe it was fourth and one, and I guess we assumed that Bo Nix was going to sneak – and he, he took the snap under center, and he tried to jump over the line. That's just kind of like burned into my brain that, like, did we not practice under center ever? Wrong, wrong bow over the top. Oof. But, but yeah. yes, yes, you are right. Like, they don't practice under center a whole bunch. So I really want to see if there's some development there because, again, it's pro-style offense. It's going to be a lot of downhill running, and I 
personally think that if you're going to hand the ball off, the quarterback should be under center so that the running back gets a running start. I'm expecting the I'm expecting the quarterbacks to look uncomfortable tomorrow. Yeah, all of them, every single one of them, even Bo Nix. I think we come into Monday's show, and you can listen to sports talk radio across the state, and Auburn fans are going to be calling in upset a little about underwhelmed. the quarterback play. I have I have a feeling. I would not be shocked if we left a day tomorrow and people were saying that Demetrius Davis should be the starting quarterback. I will I will not be surprised one bit. That would be typical of the fan base to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I thought that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Um, I, just being I, transparent, I'd be like, I won't be shocked. I, I won't go that far. You guys just just chain me down, okay? Don't let me leave my house, okay? If, <laughs> if I start thinking that, but. And the only reason why I say that is because, like, I think just with the experience and just being able to operationally know how to run an offense, a junior quarterback's got a lot more under his belt than a, than a freshman does. But talent-wise, I would not be shocked if I left A-Day thinking, wow, man, Demetrius Davis looks just as good. Yeah, I, I don't think these quarterbacks are going to be throwing a whole lot, honestly, tomorrow. But when they do, I don't expect it to be efficient. I, I don't. I don't see. I think the backups are going to be throwing. I think. I think Demetrius Davis is probably going to throw the most out of all of these three quarterbacks, just for the for the coaching staff to just get a feel as what to, what this kid can do. Because let let's be honest, Grant Loy's got one more year. I don't really think he's going to be doing a whole lot moving forward. If Auburn's going to put in a backup quarterback at some point this season, I think it is going to be Davis because he brings so many different things to the table and. Auburn needs to get him that experience. Bonex only has two more years left. We need to get somebody under center that it that it has a little bit of experience going forward once he graduates. I think it's going to be a really fun competition with him and Holden Jariner moving forward. But I think he's going to throw the most. But I don't expect, like you said, I don't expect any of these guys to look comfortable tomorrow. I'm just really hoping we don't leave tomorrow thinking that Grant Lloyd looked the best out of all of them. That would be bad. I that really would, don't think really, that's going to happen. That would really scare you know, me. Now that, that that yes, Sting, that would really that, scare that would me. That would scare well. me. I'd, I'd be very afraid if that, <laughs> that was my takeaway. And, and here's my reason why I think the quarterbacks look bad tomorrow. A, they're not going to be comfortable from having come under center. And I, and I think in terms of percentage of snaps, I asked you guys that question. I'm going to go with still majority of the time they're going to be in the shotgun. I will say probably 60-65% of the snaps will yes. probably come out of the shotgun. And when they do go under center, maybe try and notice are there tendencies when they go under center? Are there tendencies when they line up? And more pro-style sets, are they running the football typically more? Are there certain plays that they're running typically more? Or is it still pretty balanced between the run and the pass? Are there any tendencies when they go under center? I'm going to be looking at that. And obviously this is still A-Day, so you can't read too much into tendencies and whatnot. There's, there's a vanilla game plan. They're not going to put anything on tape for anybody to be able not to. Not going to be any trick plays or anything like that. And, and nothing to draw up for the future, you know, when, you, when you're going into the regular season where teams can look at that film of A-Day and be like, well, these guys did this. The, the, tomorrow's, tomorrow's film is not going to matter whatsoever. So I'm going to have to wait till the fall to see a Statue of Liberty? Yes, but yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not shocked <laughs> if Auburn wheels out the trick plays. I was about to say. I really hope we don't come away from a day tomorrow with Auburn fans going. That's what Gus Malzahn did, and being upset about it. I don't want to come out of tomorrow and have anything that this coaching staff does. Happen. I don't think I don't want Auburn fans to say this is what Malzahn did and be upset about it. I want them. I don't want them to say Bonix is still rolling out to his right and throwing the ball away. That's what Mal, he did under Malzahn. I really hope that that's not what the fan base takes away from tomorrow. I, look, just go ahead and be ready. The offense is not going to look good, and I, I think people should just – and I'm not trying – I'm trying to temper expectations here just a bit. That now, it, I think it's going to take three or four games maybe for the offense to establish an identity next season, maybe longer than that. 
this is still an offense that only averaged 25 points a game last year or something like that and against even the bad teams they didn't look that great mm-hmm. i mean the last the fleeting images of last season we have of a offense that was sputtering against mississippi state and northwestern two okay defenses but not like great defenses i think northwestern's yeah. was good but mississippi state's was not i, I wouldn't go as far as to say Mississippi State's defense was good, I think it was fine. It was average. And they had like 28 points against Ole Miss or something like that, or maybe, or maybe it was 35, but still. I think it was in the 30s. Yeah, I think but it was it like wasn't 34, a lot. 28 or something like that. But yeah, like the, the Auburn offense did not excel even against the bad defenses on the roster last year. Like Kentucky, we you know, the first week of the season, which you can write that offense, that was the first week of an odd year, but still Kentucky didn't end up being a great team by any means last season, struggled mm-hmm. against them. Like, Auburn struggled against bad teams last year too still found a way to win the ball games and get to and like I said on yesterday's show what Travis called in if you take out the results that weren't supposed to be the SEC results that weren't supposed to be on Auburn's schedule last year Auburn still goes five and three in SEC play the added games to it the added two games make the make the make the schedule look a little bit different but so i'm not that does not change my opinion of this upcoming year where i've been banging the drum that says auburn's going to go at least eight and four next year i still think this is going to end up being a good football team next year with a chance to really maybe surprise some people but i think it's going to take a little bit for the offense to get used to these differences auburn these quarterbacks are not going to be comfortable tomorrow you don't have a good offensive line still you're not used to being under center you really don't have any relationships established with these wide receivers like if you're expecting this offense to beat the defense tomorrow uh <laughs> you better temper those expectations because this i will be more disappointed actually leaving a day if the defense looks bad i agree i agree yeah. i i think i think what you said just then was perfect for it. i think it's going to take auburn a little bit of time especially on the offensive side of the ball whenever the season starts to get their 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 footing and what better way to do that than to play your four non-conference games first i understand the penn state game is probably going to be a difficult tough environment to go play in but you get to get to play akron you get to play alabama state and you get to play georgia state that is those are that's perfect those games are the first three right to, yeah to so really work out the take kinks. a couple of games that's that's what you need is that's a exactly. week schedule there to start off and just you know tune up also the Pitt state game i think there's a lot of value in playing someone that tough in the non-conference yes. before you even get to sec play yes. i think there's a lot of value in that because you at least get a taste Penn State's going to be every bit as good, if not better, than LSU this year. I believe that. I think they're going to be pretty comp- comparable. I think they're both going to have disappointing years by those two program standards. And I think they're both actually in pretty similar situations other than the yeah. off-the-field issues that LSU is encountering right now. But if we're talking about just on-the-field production and what their rosters look like coming back from a year ago, they're both in pretty similar situations. Disappointing quarterback play. They're trying to figure out what's going on there. Really, they weren't good at a whole lot of things either. And they both finished around the same record, right? They both finished something like around that. Penn State like was 0-5 or something. Yeah. Well, they started winning games as the right. year went on. On, but they both finished around 500 lsu finished at like five and five or whatever and then penn state finished right, a little bit below 500 i think so yeah, yeah penn state finished four and five last season yeah so they both okay. finished right so they're, they're in very similar situations so i think the taste that you get from that penn state game depending on what you do it is great to win it is great to win but losing does not ruin your season auburn is not going to an sec championship next year auburn is not going to a national championship next year what that penn state game has in value is that you can learn where you're at and you can try and get better from what you experience in that penn state game the penn state game and happy valley better prepare you for what you're going to face in death valley that's right don't have two death valleys 
Have a happy valley in a death valley. That's right. <laughs> Just looking at how this could potentially play out. So you get Akron, you get to play that game, then you get to play Alabama State, and it, those are two games, like Sting said, to kind of tune up, figure out where you're where you're at, and then not go play an SEC opponent, but go play a Big Ten opponent in Penn State. I know it's on the road, but still, it's lesser competition in my opinion. You get this to continue is like, to work out the kinks. Go ahead. This is like when Auburn would play LSU game three, right? right? Except this LSU team not nearly as good, or this Penn State team not nearly as good as some of those LSU two teams that Auburn would have to face this early in the season. Exactly. And then you get to go play Georgia State. You get one more tune-up game after you play somewhat of a legitimate opponent to kind of figure out, okay, what are some other things that we need to do to improve? And then you go to get to play an LSU squad that you and I both believe is probably going to have another down year. How significantly, we don't know, but a down year for sure. And if Auburn can still find a way to squeak out the win against Penn State, well, all of a sudden, I look a little bit smarter when it comes to Auburn finishing at least 8-4. and four. Right. Because going 4-0... and oh, in non-conference play. It'd be huge. Auburn's got four winnable SEC games. Auburn, you would look at talent better than all, both the Missis, both of the Mississippi schools. You're better than there's South Carolina you're better and you're better than Arkansas. Than Arkansas. So there's four. four right there. And then you're asking me, can you split against LSU and A&M? Yes. Yes, you definitely so then should you, be able to. So then you just won nine regular season games. There you go. And if you if if another one of those 50, 50 games starts to go your way, then all of a sudden you're nine or ten wins and you've lost to Georgia and Alabama, which I think Auburn fans will still be upset with, but 10 wins after last season, you have to be really happy with that. Like, and, insanely happy and with that's, that. And that's getting on the high end of what I think this team can achieve, and I, th- I think you're going to see some some games that are fun and then some games that are frustrating because of the fun games where Auburn played well. They might follow it up with some... There's going to be some inconsistency next year because this roster is not comfortable with this new scheme that they're going into and so when i'm talking about a day tomorrow and going back to how we started this discussion asking about what we think the offense is going to look like tomorrow folks just need to temper their expectations because it's not going to look pretty tomorrow in my opinion and and this coaching staff's not telling you anything different when your offensive line coach says that this offensive line has a long way to go yeah i don't think there are any secrets no i i think this coaching staff has has told it like it is i don't think they've given out a ton of information i think they've kept everything pretty much on lockdown when it comes from an information standpoint but i think this coaching staff has pretty much told it like it is without giving away too much right they they've said they've been honest they've been like look this team has a long ways to go and that's not coach speak that's like this group has a long way to go. Yeah, if you were a coach, you probably wouldn't want to tell people that your that your units are not performing the way that you would like them to. But I do appreciate the honesty and the transparency, and I do expect for this offensive line to get better. It, with, with you don't just bring all of your starters back and they they don't improve at least a little bit. And so if Auburn can get just a little bit of pass blocking, this unit could be decent next season. And that's one area where I think they may struggle tomorrow: pass blocking, pass protection defensive line and we know that this defense wants to improve from a pass rush standpoint i wonder what this defense is going to draw up in terms of intricate blisses i don't i don't think that they're going to get too i don't think that they're going to get too extravagant in what they draw on the defensive side of the ball because they don't want to put anything like that on tape but i definitely think there's going to be more of a pass rush threat in auburn's backfield tomorrow than than maybe what auburn was able to do against other teams last year more of all the line on the other side of this break you are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Here at hour number two, we still got about 42 minutes left to the show, and then it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack. 
on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. Between the Max Roundtable on the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, seven hours of local sports talk radio. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Welcoming intern Sting back into the show as well with Lance and I here on On the Line. Call in at 334-321-1390. If you want to talk A-Day, you want to talk Auburn basketball, team more ready as well. Announcing a new player joining the team. Anything that's on your mind in the sports world, we want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Coming up at 3.30, we got Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball and softball play-by-play announcer, taking us through some of the recent hires with Auburn women's basketball on their coaching staff, as well as the upcoming series this weekend for Auburn softball at J&B Moore Field against the 12th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. Still a packed show for you guys through this hour number two but let's talk some auburn basketball gentlemen big news finally team war ready reached follower count five thousand. took him a hot minute well i understand i thought I it was look- steady growth day by day i thought I mean- so too but it was going to take time but when i noticed that it wasn't just going to be an explosion to get him to five thousand, first of all whatever what people may not know what we're talking about team war ready the basketball tournament team that plays that's literally what the tournament's called the basketball tournament Mm -hmm. they play for prize money that is worth like one million or two million dollars last year i believe it was one million due to the covid year but Mm -hmm. uh, typically it's two million dollars and they split it up amongst themselves the gms and and the coaches and whatnot and then also the players and the players end up coming out with like 200 grand each a lot of times or or sometimes less than that like a, a grand 125 it just depends on how they decide to cut it up and a lot of schools have alumni teams. Marshall has one. They were a good team. I think they played in the title last year. Their t- their team name was Heard That. Of course, Auburn's team last year, which was called uh, War Tampa, which is now rebranded to War Ready this year. Kind of a play on words with War Eagle, but they're trying to say, you know, we, ready for we're, re- yeah, we're ready or War Ready, right? I like it. I think they could have done a whole lot better with the name. But I concur. I, I'm, you know what? You're going to support it no matter what there, I guess. Look, man, ready. You, you, you can decide on basketball tournament names when you get a new Twitter handle. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you going to do sorry. that, man? I, I have resist. a good Twitter handle, so I'm going to say that I, I think that they should have had a better name. Why not just go with the War Eagles? That's are there generic. any copyright issues with that? There might be, yeah. I, th- I think there actually might be. Auburn's pretty... That's, stingy yeah, about that and they They're should be stingy. that should be that's one of their that. biggest brands yeah, i understand, understand. yeah well maybe that's why that maybe war ready was the only thing that wasn't copyrighted <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they were reduced to but whatever they announced a new player today but they were doing something they were doing they said you got to get us to five thousand twitter followers before we release who the next player is that's joining the team and he is a returner from last year's squad so a little anticlimactic for me they've they've got a lot of guys that did not play with them last year because it wasn't all of an Auburn alumni team last year it was kind of right. half and half. And then they realized, well, we've got a real Auburn theme here. Maybe we should capitalize on that because Auburn basketball's fan base is rabid. Well, now they've added some other high-profile players to this year. and They're all Auburn, all alumni, team more ready. And they're trying to get their follower count to five grand, and they finally got there. And you said it took – one of y'all said that it was taking them some time. I went and looked at some of the other main teams in TBT that are – return teams that come back you know there's the golden eagles marquette's a big one they won ohio state yeah yeah Yeah. carmen's crew at ohio state's a big one they're they're they are a powerhouse tbt team heard that all of those teams are actually hosting maybe maybe marquette's isn't but house of pain is the illinois one is carmen's crew is hosting one 
House of Pain is, I is really a good like one. that yeah. name. Carmen's crew is also hosting. Heard that with Marshall. The biggest ones are hosting, and I went and looked at their Twitter accounts. They have it's less than big. five thousand. They're not that big. Yeah. War, War Ready is doing just as well, and that's important because part of getting selected to be one of the sixty-four teams, which they have a lot of teams apply, part of getting selected is fan support because that's important to TBT as it should be because you want to have teams that are going to get watched during the summer and that's why it was important for people to follow it if they wanted to see Auburn playing in it next year and TBT was able to get to this TBT team was able to get to 5,000 follower account that's a big deal there there really aren't that many more with with much higher than that yeah it's it's really really awesome to see this Auburn fan base go crazy for something that isn't football related to see this basketball program accelerate to a point where just outside of the university they can form their own team of alumni and the fan base get excited and hype for it and to get 5,000 followers on Twitter I mean that's significant for it for a tournament like this it's not the biggest tournament in the world so it, it's definitely something it's exciting though. It's, it's something it, it's something to say about how Auburn has developed and how Bruce Pearl has changed the culture as I like to say so dramatically instead of dramatically uh, (laughs) so dramatically over the past four or five years some fan favorites on this list before I add the name that was announced today these were the eight players that were already on the roster Deshaun Murray Dangel Purifoy Malik Dunbar Laurent Smith Horace Spencer Simeon Bowers TJ Dunnans and Kareem Canty and now today Bryce Brown. Yes, sir. He's coming back for year two. He played on last year's team and he was one of the he was one of the primary scorers on last year's team. He was actually forced to run point guard, which did not look natural. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big reason why TBT lo- why this TB team lost last year in the first round to House of Pain because they were lacking a point guard. They they yeah. looked dysfunctional in every in every form or fashion. This team looked dysfunctional. It looked like they really hadn't played a whole lot together. They looked yeah. horrible last year. And their one game that they got to play. I think this team, and we had Simeon Bowers on the show a couple months ago, and go and find that in our podcast. There's some bonus content there for people to be able to go and find that interview with Simeon Bowers, who gave a Joe Namath guarantee that this team was going to win the basketball tournament. But you look at some of these players, some people may be thinking, well, these guys weren't, all these guys weren't like primary players on those Auburn teams that they played on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like those guys would be playing in the NBA. Most TBT teams don't have guys like that anyway this group is every bit as talented as some of the other teams that is going to be playing in in this tournament i agree i think something that this team has that last year's tbt tbt team didn't have is shooters they also have a point guard. They, they got a point guard now, and I really, really would love to see Samir also join this squad because that would be another shooter that could handle the ball. I, it would make, if, if Samir or Harper, which I know Harper's probably not going to join because, like you said, real NBA aspirations there, but it, it's Samir, if he would join this squad, I would be so excited to see this team play. There's already chemistry there. What is Samir Dowdy doing at the moment? I don't know. Playing no overseas, idea. maybe? Probably overseas. I don't think he's I overseas think. Right A lot now, of these but. guys were playing overseas. Dunbar was playing in Germany. I think also Wiley maybe as well. was in South America, I thought. He was in Argentina. Argentina, He yeah. was. And so a lot of these guys have been playing overseas. Kareem Canty is the one point guard here on this roster. TJ Dunnitz can handle the basketball well. The Samir Dowdy of Auburn basketball before Samir Dowdy got here. And Dunnans couldn't shoot the ball as well as Samir Dowdy could from beyond the arc. But definitely kind of that player, that three, that could dribble really well and could really get to anywhere on the floor. TJ Dunnans is one of my favorite players on this list. Obviously, the guys that you got, the, the main guy that I think everybody would mention that they would love to see on this roster, 
that I think would take this team to a real contender status would be if Samir Doughty joined the squad. Is there another t- name that you guys would like to see? Yeah, so since you guys said Samir Doughty, I want to go some, go a different direction. And You said this team didn't have a point guard last year, and that was why they struggled. And, of course, they got Kareem Candy now. This is a great answer. I love yeah. this. And I don't see Jared Harper joining the team just because he has very real NBA prospects right now. I would really like to see Javon McCormick join the team because I really loved watching him and that team that went to the Final Four as a backup point guard. I was a little bit underwhelmed with how he performed when he was a starting point guard, and I thought coming off the bench mm-hmm. the year behind Harper, he was so good. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that teams in the TBT would have a really hard time guarding him as well because mm-hmm. that is that's like warp speed right there. Yeah. When you're talking about his ability to handle the basketball and get right. to the rim instantly. And he's blazing somebody, fast. These guys need, can't yeah. guard that. And you need somebody who's reliable when you got to rest Canty. So. He's a point guard, but what he does so, he, he, he excels in isolation. We saw that so many different times down the stretch when Auburn would need a clutch bucket. Game winner against one LSU, on one, my man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. One on one, he would take somebody to the rim and he would finish. I think Ronnie Johnson would somebody be somebody else to see as a depth piece on this team. That would he's been be gone fun. for so long, and I don't know what this guy's doing he was on the same team with the Leron, and they were both at auburn for only a year so yeah. I, I could I that could was see jared them. harper's freshman year that yeah. was like 2016 2017 i believe was the year that ronnie johnson played i'd love to see him coming i'd rather see piece. mccormick than i'd than rather johnson. i agree but i would like to see just ever the, the, the squad get back together essentially is what i'm saying <laughs> it would be yeah, it LeBron would be smith and ronnie johnson get the squad back together well, I mean, it's, it's where it's the time that i was growing up when i really started to really pay attention to auburn basketball and even though those players were only there for for such a short period of time i do have fond memories of, of ronnie and and harper as a freshman and horace spencer even though probably wasn't the greatest forward on the court but you know it's still still legends in my mind but probably not legends in in statistical categories the old man that would be on this team and i use that in an endearing way but the old man that would be on this team if they went out and got him he's still playing ball kenny gabriel he's still out there really still out there in the universe i believe he's still playing professional ball overseas dang wow all right go look that up maybe he's retired recently but it's not that far it's not that far and i don't think that you have to be in like the I don't think that you have to be in like your prime or anything to play in this tournament no, and be an effective player. Maybe Kenny Gabriel would be a fun addition. I'm trying to think of other. I I think they've got guard pretty pretty handled here. Yeah, would you guys may, not agree with may, that? May, maybe Anthony Mclemore if you need somebody. In the sure, I don't know what Matt, Anthony Mac. I don't know what Ant's doing right now, but maybe that would be a good one. Running yeah. a YouTube channel and being a businessman. He's he's really got his stuff together. I'm impressed with what he's doing over yeah, on YouTube. Go. I like him a lot. Good for him. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Yeah, but uh, having his shot blocking ability could be really nice. I was thinking his three-point shooting ability. Yeah, that, that could be. Pop yep. Game. yep. That's right. Uh, I don't know. I always really kind of hated it when he took a three, but that was just me. Just because, just because it was like, oh, gosh. Gabriel it went from, down, man. What, what, what? Not all the time. It, and I, just, yeah, I, I just, who, who I just shoots hundred percent? Like, he was like a I know, plus thirty percent shooter. He was not as reliable as guys like Harper or Brown. I just don't really. Who would like you rather it. see shoot a three? JT Thor, or Anthony Mclemore. JT Thor. That's ridiculous. JT Thor's like thirty percent. Anthony Mclemore was every bit as effective as that from beyond the arc. I just in general don't like watching big men take threes. I just don't. It, I, I haven't really seen many guys who excel at that. I understand so. where he's coming from. It feels like a waste of a possession to me, but that's just, that's just my opinion. You better get used to it, because Auburn's got some bigs on this oh, year's teams that can do it. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
As promised, joining us on the line, we got Britt Bowen, the Auburn University women's basketball play-by-play announcer, as well as softball, and we're going to get his thoughts on a litany of topics across those two sports. But let's start it off with women's basketball. Last time we had you on last week, or two weeks ago, rather, Johnny Harris was the new Auburn women's basketball head coach. We said the next step was for her to go out and hire new coaches to go out and go and fill out her staff. And, Britt, here we are. We've got a we've got a packed staff now, it seems. Already three hires have been made. Yeah, and, and all good hires, too. I know Coach Chappell and Coach Buchanan are young coaches, but all who are familiar with Johnny Harris and, and her style. I know Coach Chappell, she, she played at Mississippi State. She was a graduate assistant there, and um, man, she—I mean, she knows this league, and, and, and that's helpful. And I think having some younger coaches, such as Coach Chapel, Coach Buchanan, is going to help, especially build relationships with the players and build relationships with the staff. And also, too, you need that with recruiting. And that's exactly what Coach Buchanan has done. Is that she, she's a great recruiter. That's why she was brought in by Coach Harris, and uh, she certainly uh, was a great recruiter at Kansas. I mean. Uh, um, she, she had success there with, with some uh, really good recruiting classes there. So I'm really excited about those two, but I, and I'm, I'm the most excited about Coach Bob Starkey, who is coming from Texas A&M, um, where he was, uh, he was Coach Gary Blair's top assistant coach um, for the last several seasons. From what, and for, for Coach Starkey, I mean, th- there is not a coach who has more experience in this league than, than Coach Bob Starkey is, at least as an assistant coach. I mean, he's been at A&M for several years. He, he had a long stint at LSU. Um, I mean, he, he has been all around. He's even got some connections to the WNBA. Um, so between those three, I mean, that, that's about as good as, as good a staff as, as we could have asked for as, as fans and, and as supporters of the program. And um, those, those are some core pieces that's going to help Coach Harris build Auburn into a winning program over the next five years forgive me for being a little cynical here but I find myself thinking oftentimes when these hires were made I found myself thinking what was in it for them to come to Auburn and maybe that that's not the right way to phrase it but but why come to Auburn at this point in their careers when two of them are are young coaches and that they're already at super successful locations all three of them coming from super successful locations why go to a rebuilding location at this time in their careers well I think to be honest with you I think it has a lot to do with coach Johnny Harris um I I think they believe in coach Harris and and what she's trying to do here, um, I, I truly don't think they would have taken on the responsibility um, had had they not believed in Coach Harris and had they had they not believed in the plan that she has to build this program. I mean, think about this. Think about since those hires were made, Vanderbilt has fired their basketball coach. LSU just announced they fired their basketball coach yesterday. This is all what? How many months after the season? After their season's concluded? Let's remember Vanderbilt. Um, did not play the season due to COVID-19, okay? So you wait till after Auburn makes this hire with Johnny Harris and brings in these assistants, and then you go out and, and hire and, and fire your, your coaching staff. I, I, I just thought the timing was incredibly interesting with that. Um, and, and to circle back around to your question, Noah, I, again, I, I think they believe in the plan. I mean, obviously – I don't think they would have come to Auburn if they didn't believe Auburn had the tools to to not be successful. I, I think they fully believe in that, and 
and honestly, too, I, I credit to Alan Green in, 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 in getting these coaches here and helping Coach Johnny Harris get these coaches here because that, that, that's the first step in taking a commitment towards winning in women's basketball is, is you, ha- you have to invest in it with your personnel, with your funds, and with your facilities. And so far, Auburn has shown that. All right, and so so now we've got to give this staff time to come in and, and develop players because I, I truly believe it, it, it is going to take at least two to three years to where they can get up to where they can recruit, get players in, and develop. Because it, it, it's seriously, I, I think it's going to take two to three years as it took Coach Bruce Pearl to to get his program established here. Each of these hires seem to be extremely calculated. They each seem to fill a specific role within the program, and I know that that's pretty common throughout collegiate athletics. Everybody's got their own role, their own job, their own job title and responsibilities, but each of these hires appear to fill a specific need for the Auburn women's basketball program. Primarily recruiting was a major theme across these hires, but what do you think these hires tell us about the vision and the plan for Auburn women's basketball moving forward? I think it tells us that Coach Harris wants to win. And and she, she, she's here. She's here to get the work. She's not wasting any time. And I, I I think with the the hires that she made with with recruiting with with Coach Buchanan, I'm sure Coach Chapel. Um, she's gonna. I'm not sure exactly what her role is going to be, but but Coach Starkey, just given his resume and and what little bit I know about him at Texas A&M, I mean he was pretty much running practices for for Gary Blair at Texas A&M. So. Um, he, he is going to be a, a big X's and O's factor, I think. And, and, and that's exactly what, what Coach Johnny Harris is going to need. Because, look, I know Coach Harris, she, she's got as much experience in this league as Coach Starkey. They're very familiar with one another. And I think that's why she brought him in, is that when they, when they can put their minds together and, and, and develop game plans and, and to develop these players, I, when you give them the right pieces with recruiting, which, again, I, I know Coach Buchanan will have a big, a big piece of, um, I think Auburn's going to have a chance to be really good, and um, I, I, again, I think this high, these hires says that that um, Auburn's going to put away the notion of that Auburn doesn't care about women's basketball because I, I truly believe that word got out around the country just based off what's happened the last few years. Um, you know, and, and you know, people start talking this, that, and the other. I, I think word got out there around the coaching community. That um, that Auburn did not care about women's basketball. Well, I, I'm here to tell you, I think Alan Green and Auburn proved that wrong uh, by going out and hiring Coach Harris and, and hiring these three assistant coaches. Um, because you don't you don't bring you don't bring a staff in like this if you don't care about women's basketball and if you don't want to win. So then, so again, that now is the time to buy in because it, it's going to be a fun ride with this group. Unique Thompson selected in the WNBA draft. In men's basketball, we see draft picks, a huge point in recruiting for men's yeah. basketball programs. Is the same to be said for women's basketball? How big of a win is this for Auburn women's basketball to see Unique Thompson go in the WNBA draft? This is huge. I mean, because, uh, I mean, look how, I hate to say it, but look, I mean, look, look how poorly the season went last year, okay? And Auburn was still had one of the best players in the country and had one of the best players in college basketball and Auburn was still able to place her in in the WNBA draft and quite honestly like I believe if Auburn was was better last year and and honestly if if coach Blow was here she'd say the same thing we had this conversation several times on air last year if Auburn was better last year 
I think Unique's draft stock would have actually been higher. But, you know, that is what it is. I'm just thankful Unique has an opportunity to, to go to the league, has an opportunity to, to prove people wrong because she has the talent. She has the skill set. Um, she's going to make that fan base extremely happy. She's going to make her teammates happy because Unique's a hard worker. And, and most importantly, she's a genuine person. She is, she is as genuine as to come. And not only will she have a great impact on the court, I think she's going to have a great impact on the community up in Indianapolis as well. Let's switch over to softball now, speaking with Auburn's women's basketball and softball play-by-play announcer Britt Bowen here on the line with us today. Britt, take me through this series against the 12th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. They sit at 12th in the country, yet 5-7 and seven in SEC play. Auburn only two games behind that in the SEC standings at 3-9 and nine in SEC play. Is there a gap between these two teams at this point in the season considering Auburn unranked Kentucky top 12? Yeah, I mean, from a hitting standpoint, I mean, at least to what both teams are proving, yes, there's a gap because Kentucky, uh, they're, they're first in the league in average runs batted in and runs scored. In, in a couple other categories, Auburn right now is, is last in most of those categories. But to be honest with you, that doesn't mean a whole lot because Auburn, on the other hand, is one of the top teams in the SEC in pitching. They have the SEC's ERA leader in Shelby Lowe. So uh, Kentucky, they have struggled a bit pitching. You look at what they did last weekend against Georgia, they had a hard time closing out that series. I mean, there was a game they should have run-ruled Georgia, and and they left the door open because they could not finish pitches. So um, there's your strength strength versus weakness matchup all all weekend. Auburn pitching is is going to be – it's going to be critical for Auburn to keep Kentucky's bats under control. It's going to be a strength versus strength there. And then on the flip side, it's going to be a weakness versus weakness. Can Auburn's offense produce? And right now, Auburn's offense is, is trending upward. They went out to College Station, Texas. In my opinion, should have took all three games. We, we didn't execute in the second game of that series. But all, Auburn was good enough to win all three games. And, and Auburn left a couple wins up in, up in Columbia, Missouri a couple weekends ago, too. So, I, I, I truly believe Auburn is better than what their record says they are, but the old saying goes, you are what your record says you are. So for Auburn, they've got to come out and prove this weekend. This is a winnable series for Auburn, but Auburn on the flip side, they've got to come out. They can't keep making the same mistakes that, that Coach Dean has talked about all, all week long and, 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 and making defensive mistakes. You know, like Auburn's got to have a clean game all three games of the series and, and, and back up the pitchers and vice versa. The pitchers are, are going to have to finish with two outs in this series. So um, is there a gap, a small gap, but Auburn is trending upwards right now. Kentucky's trying to get healthy. Um, this is a good opportunity for Auburn. If they want to make a statement and, and, and seriously, if they want to make a statement and, and, and turn this thing around towards the, towards the second half of the season, they took the first step last weekend. This is the next step this weekend against a very good Kentucky team. And let me be clear, Kentucky's a very good team, and this this will not be, any, be an easy series by any means. What does winning this series mean for Auburn softball? It's huge. I, I, I think it gets them back in the, in the conversation to be a top 25 team. I think it gives, more importantly, I think it gives them the confidence that they need to prove that, hey, we can contend with the best because – Right now, I mean, Auburn's young. They, they are still getting SEC experience. It, it just is what it is. And for them to prove they can make adjustments and, and continue to get better and battle through adversity, these are the types of series that's going to help Auburn 
in, in, in early May, mid-May, late May, when the NCAA tournament and SEC tournaments come around. Um, I mean, I, I'm telling you, this is, this is a, a momentum-building series. Is it, is, look, is, is the season over if Auburn does not win the series? Absolutely not. I mean, it's the SEC. The SEC top to bottom, there is not an easy series. But if you can take two out of three against the team that, that Coach Rachel Lawson is fielding for Kentucky, that is a quality, quality win. And the main thing for Auburn, again, you obviously play to win, but you cannot get swept. That, that, I told you that last week. That is the one thing that, that Auburn can't have the rest of the season. They can't get swept. And, and most importantly, Auburn's got to find a way to win the, win a series at home, win a game at home first this weekend. Because right now in the SEC, Auburn is 0-6 at Jamie Moore Field. Auburn's got to change that. I mean, yes, they played the top two teams in the league in Alabama and Arkansas credit to those programs but Auburn you got to protect home field you can't get swept at home and uh, and that's going to start tonight at five o'clock with game one against Kentucky. Brett I appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us today tell everybody where they can hear you this weekend. Hey guys uh, yes I will actually be on the SEC Network Plus this weekend I will be on the Plus today at five o'clock along with uh, former All-American Casey Cooper I'll be back on the Plus on Sunday with Amy Reef and then Saturday I will be on radio will be on Tiger ninety or excuse me yes Tiger ninety five nine tomorrow with a day coverage and also Auburn men's Auburn baseball coverage they'll be on ninety three nine but Auburn softball an early start tomorrow. Uh, 95.9, Tiger 95.9. You can listen to us on AuburnTigers.com. And uh, don't forget my broadcast partner, J.J. Jackson. He'll also be on the radio for us um, tonight, beginning at 445 on the Tiger, and uh, he'll be back on, on Sunday as well. Brett, I appreciate you, my man. It's a busy, busy weekend, but I know you'd rather have it that way. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, man, appreciate it. Noah War Eagle. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. we got about six minutes left in the show, and then coming up at four, it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on the line, or uh, uh, with the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck after us here on On the Line. We're going to, before we wrap up the show here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Happy Friday, everybody. A new episode of Shark Tank is on ABC at 7. With it being Friday, there's a lot of movie selections tonight. The Green Mile is on AMC at 7. The X-Men must confront Ancient Mutant Apocalypse in X-Men Apocalypse on FX at 7. Something a little less heavy and a little more uplifting. The Greatest Showman is on FX Movies at 640. Don't mess with the Boogeyman. The first movie in the John Wick saga is on Sci-Fi at 7. NBA star Kyrie Irving stars in Uncle Drew on TBS at 7. At Live Sports, two NBA games are on ESPN at 6. Doc Rivers faces his old team as the Philadelphia 76ers host the Los Angeles Clippers. At 8.30, the New York Knicks travel to Dallas to take on Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. In college baseball, the top teams in the SEC East square off with number 2 Vanderbilt at number 5 Tennessee at 6 on ESPNU. On SEC Network at 6, it's the Egg Bowl between number 6 Ole Miss and number 4 Mississippi State. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up another weekly edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl with you here to talk a little Auburn spring game action tomorrow. A day is tomorrow. Hope everybody enjoys the weekend. Hopefully the rain stays away. It's been just overcast, and I'm happy that the rain stayed away today because 
I'm headed to go do a Lee Scott baseball game after I get off the air here. Sting and I will be headed over there to call some Lee Scott baseball. If you're interested, game two tonight, it'll end up there. There's a doubleheader. Lee Scott's playing Pike Liberal Arts. If you're interested in just hearing some baseball tonight, it'll, the game we're doing, we're doing game two of the doubleheader 30 minutes after game one ends, which should have started at about 3.30. So I'm expecting like a 6, 6.30 first pitch, somewhere around there. I would say more about 6 o'clock-ish is a first pitch. And you can hear that on AU100 on 100.3 FM. So that'll be how you can listen to that here in the Auburn Opelika area. And if not, you can watch the ball game on Facebook, on um on the Lee Scott Sports Network, as well as also being able to listen to it online on au100fm.com. So that's how you can hear that broadcast. If you just want some some baseball on your Friday night, if you're coming into the Auburn Opelika area and you're looking for something sports-wise, that, that's a, that'll be a good thing to drop in on. But Lance, 8A tomorrow. Final thoughts here before we get out of here for the weekend as you're going into 8A tomorrow. Well, I just really want to see something on the offense succeed tomorrow, and I think we are going to see some position succeed. I'm not really sure what it may be. I would love to see this running back room kind of ha- have a moment tomorrow. Like Sean Shiver said, I believe this is going to be more of a downhill running offense this season I would love to see him or Tank Bigsby whenever Tank is in get their get their moments and and play well I'd love 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 to see Demetrius Davis throw the football efficiently tomorrow I don't know whether or not it's going to happen uh, just given this the the circumstance with the offensive line right now but I'd love to see him throw the football effectively those are probably the two things I'm looking forward to tomorrow these are the two players that I'm leaving tomorrow thinking wow those guys had good games this is just me predicting this I think the storyline going into Monday, I'm predicting storylines, then I want you to do the same thing. I think the storyline that is predicted going into Monday, I think everybody's going to want to see a different starting quarterback. I don't think people are going to be overly impressed with what they see out of Bo Nix in comparison to maybe some of the other guys that get in, maybe especially Demetrius Davis. Maybe this is the beginning of the start Demetrius Davis campaign. I think you could see him have a good A-day tomorrow. I think they're going to try and make the game more simple for him. I, I don't. I just don't see him getting tested as much as maybe Bo Nix could get tested tomorrow. I, I completely agree. And so I, I think we could be seeing a better game out of Demetrius Davis just because we see him for longer than maybe Bo Nix, and he's not having to play against as good of players. So Demetrius Davis is somebody that I think you could see people latch onto after this week. And another player that I think is going to have a good day. This is this is my standout player for a day. Going Devin Barrett. Really? Going Devin Barrett. Really? I do. I think we see Devin Barrett and Sean Shivers obviously get the most touches out of the running backs. Possibly Devin Barrett. I think Devin Barrett does end up getting more touches than Sean Shivers, maybe. I think they also throw the ball to him a little bit. Let him see what he can do, Tad, out of catching the ball out of the backfield. I think he has a surprisingly good game. There's there's less running backs in the running back room, right? So if you're asking me running back or wide receiver, there's less mouths to feed in the backfield. And you've got to find a way to give, you know, you, you once Tank Bigsby leaves the game relatively early then you've got Sean Chivers and Devin Barrett and then walk-ons and so if somebody's going to stand out out of the running back room I think it ends up being Devin Barrett just because I, I doubt the starters really stand out I'm talking about backups here and then out of receivers there are so many mouths to feed and I really don't think the backups are that good at throwing the football and the DBs are so good and I also think the offensive line is bad and is going to make these quarterbacks look uncomfortable I don't think that any one receiver is actually going to stand out tomorrow so I'm going to land on more that the running backs look better than the wide receivers do tomorrow. And the player that I think sees the most touches when the day is over with, Devin Barrett. And this it wouldn't be the first time that a running back stands out on a day. And, it, and it'll just be a spring fling. People are going to love it. People are going to love to see it. And they're going to be like, oh, Devin Barrett should be touching the ball a ton. No, you really don't want to see Tank Bigsby losing touches. I just think that 
Devin Barrett's going to look good tomorrow. I think my, my two storylines for, for A Day tomorrow will be I think Demetrius Davis is the best looking quarterback out of the group. I think Knicks will turn the ball over, and I think this secondary is going to look phenomenal, period. Even with Davis shining, I think Bo Nix will throw an, a pick tomorrow. I, I'm locking Don't that in. Don't do that. I think Don't he's going to throw an that. interception. I think Don't it, wish that upon us. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen, and it's going to feed into that storyline of where does the Auburn quarterback room look heading into fall camp I don't think there's a competition I just think there are a lot of things for Knicks to work on yeah I, I don't foresee tomorrow clarifying the quarterback position no but. I, I think I, I think the situation either stays the same with the quarterback position or I think it further murkies the water at least from a outsider's perspective not inside the program but from the outside that is it for another week of On the Line. We'll be back with you on Monday. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck following us here. We'll see you Monday, everybody. You know where to find us.